Yeah, there's nothing like California. Yeah, for real. I'm curious, before we start, I'm so curious because like, you know, whenever I messaged you, obviously, um, you know, as I mentioned, like I mentioned, like our, like, I feel like our minds kind of operate in the same way. Like we look at things similarly, like I'm not like, you know, I haven't been to like medical school and things like that. And I haven't actually done like all the science stuff but I really like how you have that very holistic approach where, you know, you're into the science, but also like the spirituality and you just the way that you approach all of these different topics, it's so integrated and all encompassing. And so what is your astrological sign? I'm a Leo. You're a Leo. Okay. Yeah. What's your, uh, so like, what's your big three? I'm curious uh leo virgo rising cancer moon oh okay word so i guess different than i expected i what do you think i was i was thinking sagittarius vibes for sure i think i have that somewhere in my chart but like the d i have like crazy detail orientation so that's like the leo or the, not the leo the virgo and then it's like i'm very like passionate and compassionate like lover and that's like the moon sign so like I have the cancer that's like very like hands-on and very loving and very like vibey that way but then I have like the internal like Virgo and that's the one that's like detail-oriented paying attention to every line like wanting things to be a very specific way right I love that well where did you want to take the conversation today you just want to flow or did you have like certain things that you wanted to talk about or hit yeah, I um, I plan to, I mean, I have questions for you, of course. I wrote down a lot here, um, but I was thinking like, I think it'll be, I think it'll be, it'll be super easy for us to just flow. Yeah. What is it? What's your art, your target audience? Like what's the, like the vibe, the age, the everything? So it's predominantly female audience. Um, not by much, but predominantly. Um, and you know, as I mentioned, like, I really just like how you can, cause I think it's important to bridge the gap between science and spirituality. Totally. Um, just to give, I mean, just like, yeah, I mean, you talk about so many interesting things about like the, about the, the body and like how it's all related and connected. And so I, I would love to talk about that. Yeah. Okay. Um, and do you know your age range of your audience? Um, age range is between 18 and 32. Okay. Um, so Dr. Sheila Campbell, that's how you pronounce your name, right? Yes. Okay. Everyone, welcome to the Soul Food for Thought podcast. And today I bring you Chinese medicine expert, acupuncturist, entrepreneur, healer, whatever you want to call her. She's, you know, everything to do with science and spirituality. Um, she really helps people understand and navigate their inner and outer worlds. And so this is Dr. Sheila Campbell and welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for having me. I'm glad that we were able to connect through the interwebs and provide this to your audience. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to start with my, my basic questions here before we get extremely deep, but who are you? 
Um, I, I am a sister, an auntie, a daughter, a friend, a doctor. Um, I mean, internally, I would say that I am a love angel. <laughs> I love love and I love breakups very gracefully. Mm -hmm. I love that. And so what do you do? Like, how would you shortly describe like what you do and why do you do it? In a very short description, I would say that I am an energetic locksmith. And I would say that I use different tools and different technologies from herbs, acupuncture, Chinese medicine, all the different technologies that I've learned from all the different elders and teachers and wisdom keepers to help people be sovereign and free. That's beautiful. Because that's what it's all about, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, because I started like in that very like scientific realm, where for me, it was all about like freeing my body. It was like, I was obsessed with health and nutrition and how I can just get healthier because I thought that honestly, that was what would help me become free. You know, like having the perfect diet, you know, making sure that I'm having like the absolute perfect meals, perfect nutrition, whatever. And I would say that definitely helped me like that, you know, removed a lot of stress from my body and, and was able to kind of help me open into my human experience and to really unpack a lot of my fears and my traumas and things like that. But that's whenever I really started to get into like the deep work, like the, you know, perhaps you could call it like the heart centered work and really bridging that gap um, and just finding myself. Yeah, I started in nutrition as well. I have, um, so my undergraduate and my background is in child development. And then when I was studying child development and studying the brain and everything that happens and uh, like from psychology and uh, sociology and social psychology, I was just very fascinated with why we are the way we are and the subconscious and the conscious programming. And then I got really deep into nutrition and I started studying with a woman named Christina Vonti. She had her own show, her own television show. And then I became a nutritionist and I started and I loved it at first. But then as I got deeper into it, I realized that, you know, nutrition is just a side effect of something else going on. And I wanted to learn more about energy. I was always so fascinated by energy and understanding like, why is it in my yoga practice, if I think about somebody and like all through my practice that they would reach out to me by the end, you know, and I had all these different, like really crazy, what like some people would call synchronicities where I think that it's divine intelligence. And I went to Chinese medicine school because I wanted to, I wanted to learn the language to articulate myself and my human experience. And I feel that the Taoist philosophy and the Taoist ways and their study of nature and their study of observation is one of the most beautiful philosophies that I've ever studied. Wow. So, so tell me like a little bit more about that. Like what is like the premise of that? Philosophy? The Taoist philosophy. They, I mean, it's, it's the laws of nature. It's, it's studying, um, how nature moves and how nature articulates itself and communicates. And I mean, even like studying natural disasters and why animals move out of the way, you know, why, why like 
except for humans, you know, like they, they naturally will migrate out of a danger zone before natural disasters. And it's because there's like certain temperature changes in the air and there's certain, like there's a vibrational change and a shift and a, and a shift in like hot or cold or a taste of salt in the air. And so there's all these different micro expressions that happen just from the universe. Like just like when you're talking to somebody and they have micro expressions on their face where you might interpret that they're enjoying the conversation or they might give you a dirty look that they're not enjoying the conversation or they might have nervous tics of like just moving their hands or their their feet and just like moving their nerves and you can pick up like oh this person's nervous or they're or they're scared or they're mad at me nature has similar movement not in, in necessarily like nature's mad at us but it has movement where you can start to predict things if you watch it just like when you watch a person and that's a lot of the things that I teach with energy dynamics and and really it's it's being an observation of somebody and then being able to predict where they're going to move because you observe their energy and so if you're observing their energy and you get really good at at reading energy and so in in like Chinese medicine we read the pulse and we like we palpate the channels which means we feel the channels of the body and then we can start making a diagnosis on like what is going on internally with that person. And it's like, it's a preventative medicine and it focuses on your energy and, and it focuses on your emotions. And so your emotions put your body in motion. You know, it puts your body in motion to like who you're attracted to or who you're not attracted to. Like there's certain things that you resonate with somebody and then you can create what we call in Western medicine, a bond, you know, a chemical bond. You're chemically bonding with somebody when you're relating to them in a certain way and you decide to have like some type of an attachment and that goes in like different ways than in biology which that's kind of like what you and i resonate and we vibe on you know it's like we like to have the western science interfacing with our spiritual practice or our spiritual ideas and philosophy mm -hmm. that's fascinating because for me i i absolutely like one of the things that like kind of like takes me is like whenever I'm kind of just like isolated, like in a box, you know what I mean? Like I love to like get out and to experience energy because like that, like whether it's like in nature or like in a, like a public space, it's so fascinating for me to be able to just experience different energies and to witness that communication. Mm -hmm. I love to just get like super deep into it and you know experience like okay like how am I reacting right now or I just love to like kind of just understand like the dynamics like between everything totally and I'm the same way I mean when I was first studying um with one of my very first elders that brought me underneath her wing she would take me out in public places and just have me read everything and then she'd have comments on it and she studied she had studied with masters too and it's like the masters would go out into nature and just watch everything. You know, they'd watch it for like like a month and just like watch like how is nature moving? How are the winds moving? How are animals moving on specific lines? What kind of humans are moving and, and what are the illnesses that are happening? And they just sit in observation without even talking. Like if you go like OG, um, original gangster, like Taoist philosophy, it's like these people would apprentice for a really long time under a master before they would go out and like be an acupuncturist and it's only been like in the past like 
I mean, acupuncture in Chinese medicine has been around for thousands of years, like 2000 years, like that we know of, it might've been longer because there's been cave dwellings of like picture depictions of acupuncture. And before it was like, you had to be in the lineage that that was like part of their lineage and they would pass it down from generation to generation. And it was all like teacher to student and teacher to student. And it was really hard to get into a lineage that would share their wisdom like this. And so we're very blessed um, that we have like schools and education now, even in the United States where it's like, it's becoming more of a normal practice because it's in China, it's a communist country. And so it's, it's in the government's best interest to take care of their people um, because it's like the government isn't gonna have to spend as much money on healthcare when their people are taken care of. And so in the hospitals, in some of the hospitals there, they have like an Eastern wing and a Western wing. And so you walk in and they decide like, if you're gonna go right to the Eastern wing or left to the Western wing based on the ailments that you're showing. And a lot of the doctors are doctors of both. So like a lot of my teachers that are in the United States that are from China, they're a Western doctor and an Eastern doctor. And they started studying when they were like 15 to go that track, to be a doctor of both medicines. Mm, yes, we, we totally need that. It's like, if someone walks in and they have like some ailment or like, I love that. Like just being able to get to the root yeah well and that's a huge part of chinese medicine is it's getting to the root of your of your situation and it's like even to circle back around to the beginning part of the conversation where it's like we're looking at nutrition and you're looking at eating healthy and you're looking at like being healthy you can eat the best diet in the world and if you hate yourself you're not healthy so it's like you could have the best nutrients and you could be like doing like whatever like a complex diet that you want to and you can have the best body and hate yourself inside and feel insecure and not be able to get the job that you want and not be able to get the person that you want the husband or wife that you want and just not not really feeling yourself and so it's like and that's that has to do with like our energy being sick or like something happening in our lineage or in our childhood that fragments us or breaks us and so then it's like how do you use different energy practices to bring yourself back into where you're feeling good in yourself, you know, because it's like, if you, even if you look good and the world is like, you're sexy, you're sexy, you're sexy. If you don't feel good inside, you're not healthy. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, the light turned off. I know. <laughs> um, okay. So I'm curious what experiences and obstacles got you started on this path? Yeah, there's so many, so many things to that question. Um, when I, I mean, I had childhood trauma. I had, I was assaulted. I was kidnapped and molested when I was a little girl. And then like, that was something that was dormant that I didn't like, I don't think that I like even knew how to deal with it until I went to college. Um, and then I definitely like, I had like repercussions, like fizzling out into like different categories of my relationships and like who I was tr attracted to and like what I felt was like safe, even though it wasn't safe. Um, and then I ended up getting in a car accident and simultaneously, like I didn't have a menses at this time. Like I didn't have a period at all. And even when I did have my menses, it was terrible. It was so dysregulated and, and really painful. 
And then um, when I got in the car accident, I, my, I had really bad whiplash and I was getting headaches all the time. And I was having like these blackouts and my dad kept recommending that I go see an acupuncturist. And at that time in my life, I was like, nobody is going to touch me with needles. Thank you. And just feeling like really firm about that. And then um, I ended up blacking out when I was driving and that scared the holy hell out of me. And I called my dad and I was just like, I will try anything that was so scary. Like, and it wasn't for very long, but I was going through an intersection right by where I lived. And I just went white for a second, but it's like a second in driving time that you could kill yourself or somebody else. And so I went and saw the acupuncturist and he started asking me like really personal questions about my life. And I was just like, it's none of your business. Why are you asking me this? And he was super patient with me, Dr. Lainot, he's in Long Beach. And he was just like, you know, in Chinese medicine, we just look at the whole body as a whole picture. And it's kind of what I was talking about with the Tao, where it's like, there's certain, and divine intelligence, it's like there's certain reasons that things happen that are beyond our knowing and beyond our understanding. And it's like, now I can look back and be like, wow, if I didn't have that car accident, that terrible situation that happened, I wouldn't have gone into Chinese medicine. And then when I started seeing him and he started explaining things to me, I was very consistent for my neck. And then my neck ended up healing. And then he went into my menses and like my menstrual cycle had never been regular in my entire life at that point. And I had pain every single month that would be crippling. And he got my period completely regulated within six months, no pain, just like a normal situation a normal body but then like the deeper healing started happening which was the emotional healing and so then I, I had to like process a lot of emotions that I had stuffed down and like crying for no reason but like it was it wasn't until I went all the way into Chinese medicine school and even then I, I was super insecure when I was when I saw him and he would tell me all the time like you have to go to Chinese medicine school you have to because I was so fascinated. Like I could feel when he would put the energy or he would put the needles into my body. I could feel where the energy was zipping across my body or I would feel the emotions to start to come up. And so I was just one of those people that had question after question after question. And so he kept telling me that I needed to go. And I was just like, no, I'm not smart enough for that. And he was like, I think you are. And then I ended up seeing that woman, which I told you about my first like real wisdom keeper teacher. And she said the same thing. She was like, you have to go to Chinese medicine school. Like that is your next step of your life. And so I ended up going to San Diego and seeing the school. And then that fall I enrolled. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I think it's, and thank you for sharing that. I think it's, super important for people to understand that like we all have this trauma yeah like, um of course yours was um you know a lot more intense than some people's perhaps um and so i really thank you for sharing that but it's like i remember i was talking to like one of my friends once like kind of like about it like about like trauma and like kind of like how it works and he was like yeah man like i like i think i had like a pretty good childhood like i'm pretty sure i don't have anything that like happened to me like I think I like I think I just got lucky and I was like you know I didn't like impose like my views on him but I was like you know I'm not necessarily so sure about like how 
legitimate that is because we all have these things. We all have this, this energy within us. And we have ancestral trauma too, mm -hmm. you know? So it's so, like, you can have like a, a pretty decent life, but I mean, even being born is traumatic. Like you're like a big creature going through a little space, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. a bigger creature than a space. And it's like, that's part of life. Or if like you have a C-section and like being in the hospital, that's traumatic. Moving is traumatic. Um, your parents breaking up is traumatic. Even if they like have an amicable split, it's still traumatic. And so there's different things that happen in life that are like your body interprets it as trauma. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like I did, um, I did breath work the other day. And like, oh, I, I, honestly, I honestly thought that I was like doing breath work before but this was like the first like legitimate one. Cause like afterwards I was like, wow. Like, I feel like I'm literally on a plant medicine right now. Yeah. That's how breath work is. Like when you do breath work properly, it's such a psychedelic. Mm -hmm. Because it like, what really stood out to me is that whenever I was doing it, it like, there was like a traumatic response. Like I noticed like how, like my, like the energy I was just not used to it moving through my body in that way. And like, I had like almost like a cathartic, like release, like the like part of me, like felt like it was almost like crying. Part of me was kind of like, like it was just a very visceral and deep experience. And yeah. Wow. That's so amazing. Mm -hmm. So How do you understand the heart's intelligence? Well, I mean, the, in Chinese medicine, it's all about the heart. You know, the heart is, is the most important organ in the body. And it's in charge of our joy or our lack of joy. And in, it's also like the way that they break it down in Chinese medicine and, and the philosophy behind it is it's the element of fire. And then it also, they consider the heart to be the emperor. And so all of the other organs are officials that are basically in service to the heart. And so the way that they view our feelings is, or our emotions, our energy in motion is we're constantly picking up energy from the environment and we're constantly sending energy out from our feelings or our emotion, our energy in motion. And when you are having like sensations through your body, it's, it's the energy coming from the external or the energy stirring internally. And then it goes and like little like tattletales tells the heart, this is what's going on. Like I'm angry because da 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 da. And then the heart gets to um, either be the ruler or have the body rule it. And so when you're like, it's okay in Chinese medicine, like part of the reason why we practice like Tai Chi and Qigong and and meditative practices is so we can keep the heart in the driver's seat of the body. And so we don't have a lot of technique in our culture and we don't have a lot of teachings around what exactly is happening with our emotions. You know, like, why are we feeling the way that we're feeling? Why are we angry? Why are we sad? Why are we frustrated? Why are we worried or whatever, you know? So it's like in Chinese medicine, there's movement for moving the energetics out in the directions they're supposed to go when it's not in service to the heart being the emperor. And so the heart has to, to stay, you know, like get out of my body. Like, you know, when anger comes in 
And it's like, there's that old saying, it's like, um, man, it's like very common in the Western world. Like when the dad goes to work, his boss yells at him. He comes home to the wife, yells at the wife, the wife yells at the kid, the kid kicks the dog, the dog goes and bites the neighbor. And it's like this cycle of like, it's a very good like uh, depiction, like with your like imaging to kind of show you how anger moves. And so instead of like taking your anger and like projecting it onto somebody where then they have to either project it onto someone or disperse it, in Chinese medicine, you're constantly learning how to have the heart be in control and then you're using technique to disperse energy. So if somebody gives you their energy, they give you your anger, their anger, you take it in, you know, through your channels and your vessels and then the liver will come tell the heart, I'm angry. And then if you start shouting, your liver has overthrown your heart in Chinese medicine. So the heart is, it's very important and it's very important to have still time and times where you're, you're journaling or processing or doing your breath work or meditation or yoga practice to where you can quiet your body down and allow your heart to be the leader. And just because your heart is the leader does not mean that you're not listening to the brain. You know, the brain's technology and the nervous system is an intelligent technology as well. And it's the way that I like to teach my clients is that it's like, you listen to what everyone's saying, but the heart takes the lead. Like the heart is like the president and the CEO and the emperor and whatever else you want to call it. Like that person is in charge, but then the other things are just sensors telling you what exactly is happening in your field. Yes, yes, yes. I absolutely love that because it, I think that like what you said really speaks to like the bi-directional, like, like the bi-directionality of things like the communication because back like whenever I was super obsessed with nutrition I was thinking like okay it is solely based on what I eat based on what I eat that is how I'm going to feel period yeah then like I started to realize like oh like how I'm feeling like my emotions is actually it can be so much more powerful than what I actually put in my body. It's like, it's not that what I put in my body is not important and that I shouldn't do these things. But at the same time, it's like, you know, it's like a dance. It is a dance, yeah. It's interesting too, because when you go like really back into theory in Chinese medicine, they say that like when, you're, when your chi is strong, it can create nutrients out of like basically nothing. Like it can get, like it can create energy out of nothing. And it's like, it's fascinating because it's like part of having an energy practice and having a chi practice is learning how to derive energy from the sun and learning how to derive energy from the trees and the water around us. And so it's like, you're not, you're not just eating food for sustenance or to nurture yourself. Like you're, you're deriving it from all these different elements constantly throughout the day and it's like part of um when you're going deeper into the philosophy as well is it's like you're being an observation and it's like like when you study like the ancient texts they'll say like protect your chi like protect your energy with like everything and so it's like you kind of like are settled into your body and you're not like overly exerting yourself or like giving your energy to other people and so like in, in this like day and age especially with like what is it like? I forget what it's called. Tinder, 
Tinder and Twitter and like all like Instagram and all these different apps, these dating apps like Bumble and stuff like you're those people that are engaging are constantly giving their chi and constantly giving their chi. And so in Chinese medicine philosophy, it's like you only have so much chi for the day and then you only have so much chi for your life. And so it's being able to be discerning and directing with like, what are your goals? What is your mission? What are your values? And how do you use your chi in direction to where you want to go? It's not this like unconscious, like la da 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 da, this is a new app, I'm gonna try it. It's like, no, you can serve your chi because you need to use your chi for whatever it is that you want to do in your life. Mm -hmm. So it's like an energetic investment. It totally is an energetic investment, exactly. Mm -hmm. Because, okay, so like last night, for example, so something that I've been gaining a lot of clarity on is um, my relationship with food. No surprise there. It's kind of been just like an ongoing thing throughout. Are you just obsessed? It's, it's honestly, it's a minefield, seriously, because lately what I've really been coming to terms with is, you know, how throughout like my entire childhood, I would use food as kind of like my, my go-to numbing mechanism. Yeah, a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for the past like couple of months, what's really been coming up for me is realizing like just how much I, I have been numbing myself with food and, you know, to the point of like compulsive eating, like compulsive overeating. Mm -hmm. So to speak of like the bi-directional, you know, nature of things last night I had like last night, I'll be honest and say it was a tough night for me because I was out to dinner with my friends and I was connecting. Like I felt really good. Um, and I guess it was just baffling to me that despite that deep connection that I felt with them over dinner, I was still attached to the food and I overate like way beyond my capacity and what I actually needed. And so what stands out to me is like, yes, yeah, so I overate, right? And basically like I, 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 I overate to the point where it was like physically uncomfortable to me. And I woke up this morning, like in pain, like mm -hmm. extreme discomfort, didn't get great sleep. And I felt out of balance. I felt like I was out of alignment. And obviously like my mind is thinking, oh my God, I have a podcast later today with Sheila, you know, my energy is going to be off. I'm not going to be in alignment, like all this stuff. And I really had to pay attention, like, okay, like, where am I putting my energy? Like, am I giving my energy to this idea? Or am I going to take control or like harness my energy? And because like, it's not like, yes, like physically, like, yes, there could be like some dis-ease because of what happened, but I'm in control of that. So all throughout today, I was just focusing on regaining that balance with just like these practices that I have, whether it's, you know, of course, putting nutritious food into my body, but also like meditation and like a crystal meditation, and like listening to, um, you know, binaural beats and like these frequencies and drinking cacao before like our podcast and things like that and doing all of these things and really and spending time in nature, putting my feet on the ground and just doing all these things so that I can get into that energetic state, that emotional state of healing and balance. Yeah. 
Totally. And I think a lot of people like it's, it's interesting because it's like, especially in our culture, a lot of people struggle with finding that balance or obsession. Like, I mean, even like, that's the other part is like when you have trauma or you have like energy or emotions in your body that you don't want to feel, you can stuff, you know? And it's like when you stuff yourself and you, or even like sweets, like sweets, people eating sweets that like there's hormones that are released in the brain that are just like the same as if you cuddle, you know? And so people that are not having the connection and especially right now with COVID, it's like people that are craving connection are getting the same hormonal release as you would if you were basically cuddling. And so it's like, it's in, instead of like getting what you need, which is actually like love and connection and nourishment through the physical touch, people can like very frequently turn to food. And it's like with some people, like with, with parents that worked all the time, they, they end up like building a reward center in their brain with food. And so it's like, when you're good, I'm going to take you here. And when you're good, I'm going to take you to get that sweet. And when you're good, I'm going to take you to your favorite restaurant, or I'm going to take you to get pizza instead of, and it's not like food is just this like regular part of our life, you know, like it's like in Europe and in, in other cultures where it's like family it's more family centric, it's family centered. And it's like the grandmas are there and the aunties are there and it's more tribal. Food is just like part of life. You know, it's not this like focused. And in America, there's a lot of focus on it. There's, a, there's like, like diet here and diet there and lose five pounds. And we're not like necessarily like a really active culture like you see in like Asia and you see it in Europe. Like in Europe, it's like, in France, they walk everywhere. In Spain, they walk everywhere. And so it's like, how do we, you know, live a little bit more of a natural life when we live in a, a very superficial world? Mm -hmm. So how do you understand like behavior change? And so like, let's say, you know, someone identifies like a bad habit of theirs or whatever it may be, something that they want to change how would you go about that? So like, let's say it's like an addiction or an overattachment to something. I am like all about micro changes and negotiations. You know, I think that it's like, one, you have to identify it. Two, you have to want to change it, you know, because it's like you can identify situations all day long, but then do you want to change it? And then it's like, it depends, like, how bad is it? Like, do you need to go cold turkey because it's like toxic and it's like destroying your life? Or is it something that you can like cut back on? And, and then limit yourself and wean yourself off. Like I have a lot of patients I'll see that like want to get off like sleeping pills or antidepressants and they want to come to me and they want me to say, yeah, let's just get off of it. Cause like I'm an, an Eastern doctor where like, I'm like, no, like we have to talk to your Western doctor first, you know? And like, they put you on it. We need to have a conversation and then we need to wean you off and then supplement herbs and then wean you off of herbs. But it's, it shouldn't be something cold Turkey. So it's like, if you're used to getting a fix, like, or, or you have a fix, whether it's like an addiction or whether it's an addiction to the phone or it's addiction to cigarettes or addiction to alcohol or addiction to drama, you kind of have to figure out like, why, where did it start? Like, why, what are you masking? What are you hiding? Because when we stop our fixes and we stop our addiction, then we have to find out what's underneath it. And sometimes people aren't ready to go there. They're not ready to see what is underneath what they've been hiding, you know, like, cause it's like, you're hiding behind something you're hiding behind the sensation of smoking. It's like a distraction. And then it moves your, your chemistry in a specific way. 
and then you're not like, or you're fidgeting or, you know, like you're checking Instagram too much where it's like, we get these like chemical fixes, whether it's through substance or when we get a like on Instagram, it lights up certain parts of our brain. And so then it's like, you have to retract yourself and then divert yourself. And I'm a really big believer in diversion of energy. So if you're used to doing something, you have to take something healthy and replace it. Like you can't just cold turkey, take it off. So it's like somebody that's going off of sleeping pills and they're addicted to them. It's like, okay, then we go on melatonin, you know, and like something you, you have to have a bedtime routine where it's like, you take a bath, a really hot bath. You get yourself really hot. You drink hot tea, you massage your feet, you get essential oils, like lavender, you put it all over your pillow, you write a gratitude journal. And so it's like, there's something there that's like nighttime routine because the sleeping pill, what does it do? It shuts you down. And so it's like, what do we need to do to shut you down and creating a routine that is like basic, like I'll have my clients like, no, like don't use the lights for the first, like the last two hours, like don't go on the computer, um, read books instead, like don't check Facebook, use candles and then like have like a bedtime routine. And so, and then depending on what you're, you know, what you're addicted to, like if you're addicted to something like caffeine, then it would be like, learning how to do breath work, like learning how to lift your energy with like, and like I've had people that have like two pots of coffee a day where I'm like, your adrenals are shot. (laughs) Like this is not healthy, you know? And so then it's like, how do we go back to one and a half cup, like pots and then one pot and then back to like two cups, you know what I mean? Where it's not this like fix you're getting all day long. And then how do you like pump your lymph system? Like through like jumping jacks or your lymphatic system, like through jumping jacks or through like just jumping on a trampoline, but pumping. So you're getting a little bit of a fix anyways. It's just not that like wired caffeine fix that when five o'clock comes down, you're going to be, or comes, comes, you're going to be face down in a gutter, like, like being like, oh, I can't breathe, you know, because your energy is like divoting. And the thing with caffeine is it's not real energy. It's, it's a supplemented energy. And so it's making you think you have energy when you don't have energy. And so for me, uh, one of the things that I teach my clients is always like try and get as much real energy as possible. Mm, actually, I, I didn't know that. But I mean, there's, there's certainly, I mean, through my experience, that's so true. Like before, like before this podcast, as my cacao was uh, like, I was, as I was boiling the water for the cacao, I was literally like doing a bunch of shit. Like I was bouncing up and down. I was jumping. I was like running around my apartment. Like I was, I was just getting my energy up and just putting myself into a state of yeah. joy. Totally. And that's the thing is it's like, that's what we all have to do. It's like when we get negative and we get, we can get real dark real quick. And so it's like, when you get yourself in those positions, like, how do you switch it up? How do you like change your neural pathways? Like, how do you like Joe, Dr. Joe Dispenza has a lot of work on that of like changing your neural pathways and understanding the pathways that you're creating. And I'm a firm believer in even uh, Anthony Hawkins or David Hawkins, I think David Hawkins work on the map of consciousness and understanding like when you're in a downward spiral versus when you're in an upward spiral. And so people can get like real negative in their thoughts and then they just go like twisted and dark and it drains their energy because it's like they're vibrating like on a hertz scale, they're vibrating at a lower frequency when you jump up and you 
go into gratitude and you go into your heart and you go into compassion and passion and just like, what do you love about life? You know, and you do your jumping jacks and it's like pump, pump, pump. It raises your energy up. It raises your chi up. And then that will help you have like authentic energy instead of like a caffeine drip of inauthentic energy. <laughs> and it doesn't mean that you're not authentic because you drink a lot of caffeine, but it just like, if, if you take away the caffeine from that person that's been so used to getting that fix all the time, they're exhausted. Mm -hmm. And that's a very, um, it's a very important balance, right? Because, you know, there are some people who can feel something negative and then want to numb it by doing something different. Um, obviously there are other like circumstances where it's like, okay, like I have felt enough of this, you know what I mean? Like I felt enough, like I kind of like know what's there, but it's like discerning, like whether or not, like it's pulling you into like an inescapable hole. Uh, yeah. you know what I mean? Because it's very, cause like for me, for example, like, um, let's say I decide not to give into a food craving or whatever that may be. And I sit there and like do some meditation and I just like, you know, I sit with myself and I feel what's there. Sometimes it's like, okay, like I, I, I just can't do this anymore. Like, it's not like it's too painful for me to endure, but I'm not, it doesn't feel constructive. You know what I mean? Like it, it feels yeah. like I'm not really, gleaning anything valuable from sitting with it totally well and i also think too is it's like there's so many like the the science is learning that we have like so much like it's almost like the gut is a second brain they're proving and so there's so much gut bacteria of like there's there's literally bacteria in the gut that can tell the brain like eat this certain thing and so it's like, that is another thing that I look at with my clients is it's like, if you are having these types of cravings, it's like, how do we build your gut bacteria? Like at like kombucha and like different things that we're adding to in, into the diet to help with their gut bacteria and help them have like a, a healthy flora inside, you know? Cause it's like, if you're having these, this like unhealthy one that's giving you these like basically telling your brain that you need something and I mean there's also like there's also really strange diseases you know that tell the like when your gut tells the brain to eat like really random things you know like a sponge or where it's like you're like I'm not gonna eat a sponge but your body is literally telling you that and it's just like that's confusing for some people you know because they're like my body is like wants this sponge or wants to suck on a rock or something and so it's like, it's not just like uh, sweets that that kind of thing happens to, it happens with other things. And so that's why I think like introspection work is, is really, really powerful and, and being able to, you know, when the heart is the emperor and the heart is in control, then you can compassionately move yourself in other ways, you know, where you're like, all right, that's cute. You're having that craving, uh, not happening today. It's like, you're, you're the parent to your body instead of your body like acting like a child and running wild and being like i'm gonna eat this because i want to and i'm gonna eat this because i want to because i'm an adult you know it's like we have to parent our body even and being like no child you had that like two weeks ago and every two weeks we have pizza like period the end of the story mm -hmm. so i want to go into intuition because and and i want to hear like how you understand intuition because it's like 
we're bombarded all the time with all this information because that's kind of just like what we are. And so yeah. how do you how do you understand intuition and like how do you I mean, I'm always like asking, like, where is this voice coming from? Like for me and even for my clients, like I really, I believe the nervous system is a lot larger than uh, science has caught up to. And I think that like, we're constantly getting like signals and pings, like from people in our network and not just on Facebook and Instagram. It's like our, like our body, when we, when we really slow down and we listen, it, we're getting pinged a lot. And so then it's like, I think it's important to have like some type of chi practice where you're like, I mean, even before this, you burn some sage. I constantly have candles going on. I constantly have, I wake up in the morning and one of the first things that I do is light incense. And I just like, I set space for my own day before I go in, I start reading other people's stuff. Like, it's like, I know who I am. And I think that one of the things that people have to do is they have to create these moments where they learn what their voice is and, and they learn what their voice is not. And that was something that I did when I was 20, when I was 22 and I went and stayed with my first master, I like turned in my phone, I turned off my Facebook and I just like went really deep inward into my meditative practice and was meditating for like an hour in the morning and an hour at night. And it's like in that process, like I really learned my inner voice and we all have to spend time getting to know who that person is inside and what they like and what they don't like. And where energy moves from, you know? So it's like with intuition, I think that there's so many layers of intuition because I think that we have like our DNA carries information from the generations before that have like that birthed us, you know, like, so our parents and our grandparents, and it's said that it goes back about seven generations and it goes forward about seven generations. So the information that you're gathering in your life is going to go forward to your children and their children and your grandchildren and so on and so forth. And so our intuition, like we might think like, oh, that was intuitive where it might just be information that was passed down of like what is safe and what is not safe. Because it's like, we have to think about like biology and how our chemistry and what our ancestry, you know, like influence what, however they lived their lives, you know? So it's like, for me and specifically, like I freaking love potatoes. I love potatoes so much. And it's like my grandparents, survived the famine off of potatoes you know so it's like do I really love potatoes or is it like my body is used to potatoes like because of the information and potatoes are one of the only foods that you could just live off of like you don't actually need any anything else like you can just live off potatoes it might get boring but it's not like you're gonna get sick from it so it's like your body has these different like in, information basically from generations that have come before us. But then also if you listen, you know, through like the divine intelligence or through the elements, then your the intelligence is communicating to your body and it's moving your body if you slow down enough to listen to it. So I think that that could be considered intuition as well. Can you actually live off of potatoes? Yeah. We just changed the nutrition game forever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think you would want to. But... Yeah, for sure. Not, I know not... it's so funny because my ex, he was so controlling and he'd always be like, potatoes have so much starch in it. And he would just like freak out because I would just want potatoes all the time. Like, especially when I was going through school, like I would want like sweet potatoes in the morning and a baked potato in the afternoon and mashed potatoes at night. <laughs> and like, and I was totally cool with it. And 
And he was just like, this is so bad for you. You're going to get fat. And I'm just like, leave, first of all, leave me alone. Like, who cares? Like I'm tiny. I'm like 120 pounds, like, and even smaller sometimes. And I'm five, four and a half. Like I'm not a big girl. And even if I was, it wouldn't matter, but it's so funny because it was like such a projection. I mean, my grandma loves potatoes like that too. And she was even tinier. She was like 110 and five, like four maybe. So it's like, or maybe even five, three. And so it's just funny how people have, you know, their, their opinions, but maybe like it would make someone gain weight if that wasn't like part of their thing. Like I can't eat lentils. Like I don't, like they don't sit well in my system. And I have friends from like, you know, the East that just love lentils like so much, you know? I love sweet potatoes. Um, so I'm curious what your relationship is to alcohol. I love wine. I'm European. Okay. So, I mean, I think that like, I definitely like, I'm in, even in my lineage that I have like people that have had like substance problems and I definitely have drank a little too much in my life. Um, I'm more about like a balanced lifestyle and I can monitor myself. Like when I'm having a little too much fun too often, I can be, have that really honest conversation with myself and being like, okay, it's time to like tune down and like do yin yoga at night. And like, you don't have to go out with your friends all the time. Like LA is a very social culture. And so it's like, it's normal to just like go out all the time with you and your friends or, or whoever, like it's normal to go out to dinner. And like, there's so many nice restaurants here that it's like, you can just go and try like some of the best food, you know, with like the most curated drink menu. And I'm such a wino, like I love really good wine. And so I love like to go wine tasting and like experience like Italian culture and like go, go to Spain and experience their culture like that. And it's like, even my friends that I travel with, like we all just like to like, we like the tasting life, you know, like tasting like what other wines taste like and tasting new foods. So um, yeah, why, what's yours? Why'd you ask that one? Um, I love that because I mean, it, you're, you're free because obviously like in, whether it be the health community or the spiritual community, like alcohol is demonized to some extent. Yeah. Um, you know, from the spiritual pr perspective, they're saying that, you know, it's disconnecting you like literally. And then from a health perspective, like, I mean, there's obviously like bullets of research or whatever, but you know, personally, like I, I definitely did a lot of drinking like throughout like the first three years of college, but I stopped like cold turkey completely because it felt right for me. Yeah. But I do think that's, you know, admirable because I like, I feel like you're a person who is definitely like knowledgeable about like all of these different perspectives, but it's like, it's admirable that you're doing what makes you feel alive and what makes you feel free. Because like at the end of the day, if it makes you feel good, like who cares? Well, and it's so funny. Cause that's like one of the things in even the spiritual community, um, in the spiritual communities that I have been affiliated with is it's like the judgment around alcohol. And I'm just like, yeah, that's not like, I mean, I have like wine with my grand, like my, um, my grandfather's brother's wife, who's like 80 or 92 years old. And we love our wine and we like talk about our lineage. And it's like, it's interesting. Cause it's like alcohol is a warming agent and there are like medicinal sides of alcohol as well. It's just that I think that one of the things that happens in our culture 
is that it's so like, I mean, even like our sexuality, it's so taboo, you know, before you're 21, it's like alcohol is bad and drinking and driving is bad and you're bad. And it's just like this whole thing where in Europe and even in my family, cause we're European, it was like alcohol. We have, what we would have like little glasses like this big that were like child, children's glasses of alcohol that we were allowed to try and like have a sip of with dinner. And it's like in Europe where my family's from, it's just like, it's part of life, you know? It's, it's not like this children are separate from alcohol and a drinking age is, even though I think it's like 18, but it's like, it's totally normal and children can go to bars. You can have your baby at a bar. Like, it's not like this like complete separation where it's like, what's happening over there? And then creating like the interest for people and then they're drinking too much. You know, so it's like, I definitely know that there are some people that struggle and I do definitely like alcohol is a spirit and <laughs> they call it a spirit for a reason. And I don't necessarily think it shuts you down. I think that it can open you up. And if you have too much then, or you have like an addiction in your lineage, or you have like some, some other like darker things that are happening inside of you, I think that it can act as a numbing agent, but so can a lot of different things, you know, so can eat overeating or gossiping or creating drama like there's a lot of different other ways that you can check out or you do check out of your life it's not just like alcohol like if you are a person that is going to check out alcohol might make you check out you know but if you're a person that is like highly tuned inward and constantly listening and you know like you having a glass of wine might loosen your nerves and then you're able to like just really relax and be in the presence of a lot of people without feeling like too overwhelmed by it Right. So what are some of your most important health routines and practices? Cord cutting, definitely. Like I'm a firm believer in like disconnecting from other people and like really just like sitting with myself and the sun and the elements. Um, I'm such a big believer in like Tai Chi or not, I don't practice Tai Chi, but Qigong. I love Qigong. Um, bath time rituals, like I'm super big into my bath time. I'm really big into my skincare routine. So like washing my face and moisturizing and um, definitely love to take care of my teeth. Uh, a lot of people are not necessarily as like into that, but I, I've always been like really into my teeth and making sure that they're healthy. Um, also just like, I think that keeping a really tidy space, like making sure that your shit is dialed, you know, and like getting up and making my bed and making everything look nice in my room. Like that's something that's really important to me. Um, as terms of like eating real, like eating and stuff, like I live an 80, 20 lifestyle. And so for me, part of like health is that 20%, like really having fun, like really having fun, like enjoying life to its like absolute maximum of like, sometimes I, I will literally like stay out at a concert until like five o'clock in the morning, just dancing with my friends all night and like, and just like sleep the next day. And that's like, being balanced is, is like definitely one of the biggest healthcare routines that I have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like the, the rigid idea of what we think spirituality has to be, or like what we think health has to be is so, it's so unattractive for me. So unattractive. That's the other thing too, is I, I see a therapist every week and that's 
part of my routine as well. I really, I really love my therapist and, and she's, she's such an angel and she's so compassionate and loving. And she calls me out when I'm being judgmental about things. And I think that like having somebody in your life that is like just for your introspection work, I think is so good. And I've been, I've been in and out of therapy, like most of my life, just because of that trauma that I had, my parents put me into therapy pretty young, but now it's like, it's just such a good check-in where it's like, I'm not projecting my shit onto my friends or like not process, like trying to have a relation or not a relationship, but like trying to have a conversation with somebody when I'm not clear about what I think or what I need or what I'm asking. It's so good for me personally, like to have my therapist and be able to get really clear as part of my mental health routine. Um, and then be able to have the conversations that I want to have with the people that I want to have them, not like processing, trying to figure it out and having the conversation at the same time. Mm -hmm. I love that. You're a, you're a master director of your energy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so just two more questions for you. Um, one, what words of encouragement would you have for someone who is in a dark place right now? So maybe they feel lost or maybe they feel unhealthy, whatever it may be. What are some, you know, what would you tell them? I think the words that I would say is just keep going. You know, when, we, when you're in a dark spot, you, you can't always like see the light at the end of the tunnel. And it's like, sometimes when you're in those spots, it's just putting one foot in front of the other and just figuring out like, what is my next step right now? And then what is my next step right now? And so when you go into those, those spirals, catching yourself and then asking yourself, what is my next step? And I think that the other thing is, is like asking yourself, like, what is my next step to get myself into the light or get myself feeling better? And then just listening to your divine intelligence within your body about like, what is that next step? And I think that like, another thing that people are like judgy on is sleep and like, well, you shouldn't be sleeping that much. And I, and I think sometimes the body needs breaks and you don't know why it needs a break. Like, I mean, after I had a concussion one time, I had to sleep for an entire month and it was so intense because it's like, I've always been like a goer, goer, like doer, getting my doctorate, studying for this, going and seeing that elder. And then when I had the concussion, I just had to just chill. And so it's like being compassionate with yourself when your body's needing a little extra, even though you might not want to give it to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like following that intuition or divine intelligence, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it's like, you kind of have to embrace that it's irrational at times, like it's kind of it's, it, like, it literally may be the opposite of what you would expect for it to be or what you would want. Yeah. It to be. Um, so finally, what to you, Sheila, is the meaning of life? It's the experience. Straight up. <laughs> I'm down to cap it at that. I mean, I think it speaks for itself. Yeah, it's to be experienced. It's, it's, it's an, that's what I think it is. It's, it's literally the experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Sheila, this was a kick-ass podcast. I really appreciate you joining me. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. Cool. All right. Well, I'll see you around. Yeah, take care. Thanks for having me. Thank you.
बाय